Welcome to the Adaptive Executive Podcast, where we meet with senior executives and discuss how to keep yourself and your organization adaptive and your employees engaged. My name is Greg Ballard, founder and owner of 5C Consultant, and I am your host. If you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, you can apply on our website at 5C.consulting. Look for the word podcast. For now, let's dive into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Adaptive Executive. I'm your host, Greg Ballard, and I have a very special guest, Richard Blank. Uh, Richard is the CEO of Costa Rica Call Center and uh, Cheyenne Consultants. I think I pronounced that right. Uh, Richard, so glad to have you here, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Greg. Great to be here today with you and your audience. Absolutely. So call centers, uh, we were just chatting. I have a little background in call centers. Tell me, how did you get into the call center industry? Very good friend of mine owned a call center. And when I was 27 years old, I was asked to come down here for just a couple months to teach English. And I fell in love with Costa Rica. So I stayed and worked at my friend's center for four years, learned the business from the inside and out. And in my mid thirties, I decided to throw my hat in the ring and start my own center. Started with one seat. Here we are 14 years later with 150 seats. And I actually own a 300 seat building that we just moved into about three years ago. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So interesting, let's, let's unpack this a little bit. Tell me a little bit about the work you guys do in the call center. Cause I know sometimes call centers can, uh, you know, some people can get, you know, a little jaded. Maybe you can kind of give us a clarity on the value you guys add and the work you guys actually do. Well, the first and foremost, if we ever call you during dinner, we can't be friends anymore. So those are the started <laughs> campaigns we don't have here. What you see on, on TV and in Hollywood, it's glamorized. And also there are a few boiler rooms like that and call centers, but most people don't sell stock and they're not doing ABC closing on the phone. There's a lot of friends and people you know that earn a living through customer support and prospecting for not even call centers for any sort of business. But my call center here is half and half. We handle mm -hmm. both inbound support, which could mm -hmm. be customer support. It could be back office support or even omni-channel non-voice support where it's just chat and emails. I also have a department that makes outbound prospecting appointment setting and lead generation calls. And sometimes the really skilled set, they're in sales. And so mm -hmm. what we do is every agent here is bilingual. They're college educated and I'm a dedicated center. I don't have a blended or a mix where they work on multiple campaigns. These mm. agents specifically work for a client, but I also believe in right bus, right seat. They mm. definitely belong at Costa Rica's call center. It's just a matter of which campaign would be, be the most effective. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. And so as you have been in your role with the call centers and everything that's transitioned over the last few years, let's talk about adaptability a little bit. Sure. Um, how have you guys as an organization, you know, shifted with the COVID response? And I'd love to know how you're structured. I mean, my time back in the, actually, it was in the late 90s. I remember uh, the turnover to 2000, the 99 to 2000. I remember it because I was in the call center at midnight waiting to see what was going to happen. Um, but I had to go to a building and I had to get into a cubicle and I had a workstation and I had a phone, a dedicated phone line and a headset. But we're seeing a lot of stuff going virtual. Are you guys, how are you guys currently set up? Wonderful question. Right when COVID hit, because I have a brick and mortar center here, we by law okay. could only allow 50% of the people here. We decided to keep it at around 20%. 
The agents that are on site are here for PCI compliance because of credit card and sensitive information. Mm -hmm. Also, we use it for onboarding new agents before we send them home. Or hypothetically, if someone is working from home and they have an internet redundancy issue, electricity issue, or immediate IT support, they can be within my centrally located call center within a half an hour on a turnkey station. Mm. But with COVID, you know, we set this, the computers up and everyone brought the headsets home. And it's almost like life rafts. We were very prepared at least 60 days prior to them passing mm. the law. So we started sending people home. We've opened up more communication channels with them because yes, even though they are isolated, they're at home with their family, saving money and time because of transportation. You and I both know, Greg, that a call center, there's synergy there. Unlike other mm -hmm. office environments where people just do not talk, that's all we do mm -hmm. is talk. And a lot of people <laughs> feed off of that energy with high fives and with quality assurance and training and, and positive escalations. And so if you work out at home, you could still have the structure and discipline. But if you are pushing me to put up an extra three or four reps on my flat bench, you and I both know that we're going to have better <laughs> workouts. And so I felt we were missing that. And for me as a CEO, because you expect me just to be in my office and just kicking back. No, I, I, I love to walk the rows. I love to stop and listen to an agent in the middle of a call and give them a thumbs up. And then afterwards, listen to the recording and tell them why they were a champ. And I like, I also have a gamification culture here. I collect mm, pinball machines and jukeboxes and air hockey tables. And so I created a neutral environment, Greg. So people from other departments can meet one another, let off steam, recharge batteries and hang out with the jefe. Because I always believe that instead of grilling them in my office for downstairs playing pinball, I believe we can bond that much more and create such a better, better company culture. I love it. So can you give us maybe some anecdotal stories of how some of those choices you've made, you know, and I love what you said, you walk with the rose and you are an inspiring leader. I, I get that from you. Thanks, and, and I'd love to kind of get a story of how that, how your effort in, in kind of doing the high touch as the leader has come back over time. Is there any anecdotal stories that come to mind? As you think back of what's happened because of those efforts? It's all very easy, my friend. I, I believe that success is built on a million thank yous. And when I first came to Costa Rica at 27, I was working at my friend's call center more as just an agent, glorified agent, of course. And so when you're with the proletariat, not at sea level where you're looking at contracts and finances, but you see the inside and out how a company is run, I, I really got to hear the good and the bad and the happy and the sad. And you mm -hmm. and I both, since we've worked at call centers and you know there's attrition and burnout, the fact that I was able to grow and you were able to survive, it's testament to who we are as people, we can handle it. But I did see this. I was able to capture what it would be like to enhance the experience for the agent and especially for the client. And since this is a very strict Catholic country, we're very selective of the campaigns that come in here. So I don't force a fit. They're, they're not gonna make calls of something they don't want to do. Mm. And so I'm growing slow and steady. And so in order to start this business, I had to start with one word, empathy. I really mm. did. I put myself in their shoes. Not only that, I gave them their dignity because a lot of the times, not just call center agents, Greg, but everybody at a, active executive podcast, they all know that sometimes they feel expendable, a robot, a number. They're expected 
to be, you know, these certain expectations of them that they can't fulfill. And so I, I always put myself in their shoes, especially since they're leaving the office and there might be something that's happening outside of the office that could affect their work here. And so if I can recharge their batteries here, give them job stability, maybe they can go home and conquer some of their challenges and then come back the next day ready to go. And so yeah, that's I love the, the positive reinforcement we're trying to do here, Greg. I love the way you put that because what we're seeing on the front lines of our work is a lot of issues with productivity, issues with engagement. Sure. Um, you know, and, and in many cases, they are there. There's some workplace issues that need to be addressed. But what we're seeing a lot is a lot of that is actually coming from outside of work. Yes. So family stresses, financial stresses, um, you know, medical issues, you know, stresses and burdens outside of the workplace are impacting inside the workplace. And one of our core philosophies of leadership has been, you really need to build a create, as a people manager, okay? You need to build a strong relationship with the people you manage directly. And you should know what's going on. You should know what their dreams and aspirations are. You should, you should have awareness of, of some of what's going on in their life. And, and I find in a lot of what we'll call new collar um, professional jobs, we tend to want to, hey, it's business. And we try to put up a, a wall between, hey, I'm at work and I'm just gonna do with what's work. And as a manager, I just need to know your work, your workload. You know, tell me what's going on with your workload. You know, what you do in your, your time is your time. And I understand why we do that, but I, I see that as something that's actually creating more issues with alignment, with engagement, with retention, with, getting actually what we call, um, I don't know if you have a term for this, we call discretionary effort. And so discretionary effort. And because, you know, some people are gonna, in, you know, you're gonna have some people that do the bare minimum to keep the job. You're gonna have some that are gonna say, hey, I wanna meet satisfaction, right? I wanna meet the standard. And then you have those, I'm gonna blow the standard out of the water, right? And so you have three categories of groups and what makes them different? It's discretionary effort. So how do you tap into that? And we have found that when um, you, you do things like walking in the rows, um, building those relationships, you begin to unlock some of that discretionary effort. So I love what you're talking about and this idea of empathy. Um, can you talk a little bit more maybe about some of the, maybe they're intentional, uh, maybe they're unintentional, but they're, they're present of the values that you have been instilling inside of your organization? That's an excellent question. Well, the first is that I want to address fear because it's a morbid anticipation of something that hasn't happened yet. And when they walk mm -hmm. into my call center, there is a stimulation there because they're using the second language that they invested in all of their entire life and they're earning money from it. So they're immediately getting an ROI. And I also instill the fact that what they're about to do is not even close to as hard as learning a second language. So you have to put that in perspective. Secondly, I'm gonna give them all of the resources to put them on a level playing field because a lot of the time people are very uncomfortable when they do not have their script rebuttals, the CRM training headset or good equipment. And so that just makes it very difficult. It's almost like in the supermarket with the one bad wheel on your cart, just ruins the whole day. 
And so I just want to make sure that I reduce any sort of stress. And then finally, I, I have to once again instill in them dedicated practice because Greg, you and I make this look very easy, but a lot of your audience never saw the amount of efforts it took in order for you to get to where you are in business and your podcast and what I've done with my agents. And so if they practice their English out of school, they can practice their career out of work. And since we're speakers, there's nothing wrong for them mm -hmm. to be studying more rhetoric and to be analyzing how they sound in regards to their tone, rate, pitch, and duration when delivering a message. And then finally, if I may make my biggest suggestion for a second language speaker is to use the thesaurus. So instead of miscommunication, they can expand their vocabulary. They'll learn similes. So instead of using a word like help on a phone, which is fine, but it's like a C minus word, I prefer things like assist, guide, and lend a hand because you're a lot more strategic, diplomatic, and reducing any sort of rabbit holes because you could be catching somebody on the wrong day. And so these are the sort of conflict management skills that we discuss in class just to give someone a little bit more foundation when doing their job and feeling that sort of fulfillment. Love it. I love it. So, and you, you're, you're capturing in, in those examples, uh, what I hold as a core philosophy of work, which is work is the best right place for growth of course, and development. Um, you know, we grow and develop when we have to strain against resistance, right? When we have to struggle to a new level and the work environment, we give some of the best hours of our day uh, to the work we do. And you can take that as, hey, this is my paycheck. I do what I have to do. Or you can take that as, hey, this is an opportunity for me to produce a muscle, to produce a skill and to push on that and to train that and to make that stronger and stronger. And essentially, I love this idea, you outgrow your role. If you outgrow your role, you're going to get a new role and it's going to be bigger. And so for our listeners, if you're wherever you are in your journey, I want to challenge you to outgrow your role. And if you are a leader, if you are an executive, give the people you have every resource they need to win and to outgrow that role. Because that's what I heard you just say. We give them all the equipment they need. We challenge them to do not just do their thing here, but do it at home, you know, get the thesaurus, you know, for second language, but there's so many ways you can apply this. Sure. That's what I'm hearing you say, Richard, and, and it's just so rich. Thank you. Since you worked at a call center, you remember that you and I get graded. There is a QA, QC department, quality assurance and quality control. And mm -hmm. you and I have been graded on KPIs, which are key performance indicators. Now, naturally they're gonna judge us on at least a minimum of 20, just to make sure the call is qualified. You were telling me about this prior to the show today. Mm -hmm. But you and I, Greg, we would be focusing on the soft skills. How many times I say your name, or the, mm -hmm. you know, the pronoun just to be able to get you back into the conversation and your attention. Active listening skills by saying, for my clarification, was it ABC or one, two, three? Using rebuttals and tie downs saying that it sounds good or makes sense to the client. And especially the positive escalation where somebody was assisting you prior to a transfer or helped complete the call. Mentioned to do it verbally and also written because these are the sort of things that will just increase your percentages of a conversion just by showing that sort of class and sophistication. But yeah. without that sort of structure 
it would be very challenging for you and I to do the coaching. So I can give all of the resources. I just wanna make sure that there is a certain sort of protocol and a certain sort of system that we have that we can get the most out of it. Absolutely. So the, I, I don't know if it's a dying art. I don't find it when I have to call in much, but the warm transfer. Yes. It's a dying art. And when it happens for me as a customer, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm like, already you've won me. Of course. But yeah, the dying art, the warm transfer. And I know you know what that is. Um, I want to take a little turn here, Richard. And I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that maybe you do privately or publicly for yourself okay. to be uh, an adaptive executive, to be able to pivot and recognize uh, the big picture and to make turns. Do you have any mindsets, beliefs, or practices, all of the above, um, that help you to, to, to work as, a, as an adaptive executive? Absolutely, I do. And thank you for asking that too. I have a routine. I get up every day at 5.30 and I go work out at my home gym for a couple hours. And so that allows me to put the phone away, decompress any sort of stimulation that I had at work and allowing my mind to wander through image streaming so I can put things in perspective. And there have been times I've overextended myself or not said enough. And so by sleeping on it and taking a couple steps back, it allows me to do five more forward. And I also enjoy washing my convertible on Sundays. That's tradition for me. I've been doing that since I got my license. And also I enjoy my pinball marathons. So I like to treat myself to my favorite pastimes. And during those pastimes, I realize how I got there. And so mm -hmm. by setting those goals and working for those simply attainable goals allowed me to do this. But the main thing is delegation. I'm constantly thinking of ways to promote people from within so I can add to my foundation and my structure. I can expand because in order to scale, I might, I'll never bring in an outside supervisor, Greg. I'll bring in a specialist for IT, but anybody that raised the ranks has to do it internally, not only for the respect, but to understand my company culture. So mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if it's your first day or 10th year with me. If you show up on time, pen at the ready, and instead of just absorbing, you're contributing. I will yeah. always, as you say, find the right seat for you so you can, and you're saying growing out of a department or a certain skill. And I agree with that. If you, if you can't master one level, how can you get to the next level? And you don't want to stop at green belt. You got to be a black belt. And yeah. what are the additional skills you're talking about? Maybe, maybe experience, maybe by putting you on a different vertical with the same skill set, you get a different type of experience to see if you're a one trick pony, or if you're capable of delivering this exceptional service that you're mentioning across many different types of jobs. Yeah, and there's a layer in that, and, and I'm sure you see it, but I want to articulate it a little bit, sure. is sometimes we think we have to copy what our leaders do, like what our supervisors, we have to become like them. Mm -hmm. And I completely disagree. What I talk about about growth, it's about uncovering your superpowers and leveraging your makeup, the way you're designed for maximum potential for okay. maximum impact. Um, I don't know if you are a Star Wars fan, read any of the books, maybe some of the listeners are. There's a, a book, a novel called, called Thrawn. Oh. And it's a unique character and he has some, he has some capabilities. He's a, he's a senior leader, if you will. But he recruits a young guy. And he can tell this young guy has a real gift with numbers and patterns. 
And what he does through the series is he encourage. he doesn't tell this guy, become like me. He says, no, you find the answer. You go figure out with the skills and the strengths that you have, how you will do it. And for anyone to move into senior leadership, you've got to really know yourself. And that's kind of the point I'm getting at. Know, know yourself and be able to leverage your own strengths. And so you're touching on that. I just wanted to kind of parse that out a little bit. Sure. I, I believe that when someone is too well rehearsed and they know and they've memorized their script, then they mm -hmm. become a print. They're not a painting. I think that people should be a character, not in character, so they can still be raw on the phone. You don't need to be a joker. But if a dog yeah. is barking in the background, I could let you know how much I like dogs and then make a follow up question by asking the dog's name and you'll say fluffy. And then inadvertently <laughs> and passive aggressively, you'll put the dog outside, come back to the phone call. And now we're talking about your dog for a couple minutes. And so um, these are sort of the active listening skills that I think people pass over. They're just crunching mm. their numbers. And, you know, instead of you and I making 100 phone calls a day, why don't we make 90? Spend an extra 30 seconds to a couple minutes just talking. And I think mm -hmm. you'll have a much more better work experience that way. I love it. Uh, you mentioned a couple of things. You have your daily routine, wake mm -hmm. up time, rest time, decompression time. Sure. You mentioned your weekly routine, washing your, your convertible. That and sounds like a fun time. <laughs> uh, and, and, and the what? And my pinball machines, come on. <laughs> oh, and, and, your, your, and your pinball machine. But then you mentioned delegation. Yes. And I really want to, I want to double click on this and we'll open this box up a little bit, uh, Richard. Sure. How do you approach when it's the right time to delegate a certain responsibility to somebody on the team? Like, do you have a criteria? Do you, is it a gut, is it a gut thing? Is there a, you know, maybe a mental checklist you go through? Like, how do you determine when, Hey, I'm going to give this to you now. That's when someone is shining. Like, let's mm. just say for an example, the first day of class, you're supposed to be here at 7 a.m., but class doesn't start till 7.30 because we're in the game room for the first half an hour having fun with the 15 agents. But if some kid comes up to me and challenges me to Pac-Man or when we're in class and I ask for somebody to script read with me and it's the first kid that raises their hand, in my mind, this is a leader. And you're thinking mm. that delegation of someone that comes in with experience, they could also be bringing in bad habits. I'd rather have somebody that is fresh never worked at a center before. I, I can teach you a headset and, and how to use a computer, but you're coachable. I can mold you. We can work with you. And I would rather have somebody like that. So how about this? First day, first minute, you're on my radar. And if it's about you participating in class, handing out the pens, I don't know. But whatever it is, I'm going to be adding momentum in your rhythm and seeing what I can do to see if you are the real deal and if you could just you know, grow from that. Got it. So taking ownership, getting out there first, taking initiative, those are not really critical. It doesn't anything. have to be in class. You could just be the man on the floor and celebrating with somebody who gets a lead. And that mm -hmm. to me is leadership. And so it comes in all shapes, all sizes, and can happen at any time. And I'd like to share a secret with you. Please. When people come in here and they're filling out their applications, they'll put in all the bells and the whistles, but I ask them to turn their paper all over and give me about two paragraphs worth of a coming of age moment, not just to gauge their English grammar levels, 
but to hear a story of when they beat up the bully or saved the kitten out of the tree. And so instead of them giving me the perfect 10 minute resume interview pitch, which they've done a thousand times that day, throw them off guard a little bit. I wanna see what you write. And then when we hire you and it's a rainy Tuesday and you're feeling kind of funky, I'm gonna remind mm -hmm. you of when you were the champ and you say, get to know somebody, that's an excellent way on a first impression to get to know somebody and to start strong. I love it. I love it. Well, Richard, let me ask you this. If we're going to kind of begin to wrap up here for a second. Um, is there, if, if anybody wanted to find you or follow you, what would be there? Where would they go to, to, to do that? Would they go, uh, you have a website, you have a LinkedIn page. How, how can people follow up with you from this, this recording? Well, you go online and you buy a first class ticket to fly down and visit me. That's number one. <laughs> and I know you're doing that this year, which will be great, Greg. It'll be great to see you. Love but to come down. If you can't come today, you can give me a call at 888 271 6750. Shoot me an email at CEO at Costa Rica's call center.com. And, you know, Greg, once this goes live, I'm going to be putting you on my Costa Rica's call center Facebook page. And we have about 98,000 local Costa Ricans that are there. They'll see you. They're going to be huge fans. And if anybody's interested, it will really give you a pulse on what the business process outsourcing nearshore industry looks like in Central America. I'm mm -hmm. north of Panama, south of Nicaragua. We're a democratic society, no standing army. All that money got put back in education. So there's a 95% literacy rate. We have the best infrastructure in Central America. And companies such as Amazon, HP, Intel, and Oracle are here. So we're a powerhouse. And also mm. it's ecotourism. If you want to come down for waterfalls and zip lining and monkeys and iguanas, this is the place to be. So I highly encourage people to dip their toe in these Central American tropical waters and come it's check gonna out. It's going to happen. So we have, um, we have four children. Our youngest is three and a half. We're, we're just holding to get him to it like an age where we can trust his behavior. He's still a little wild child right now. Nice. Still, he likes to run into things. Uh, the other, the three older ones, like, hey, they're good. So another year or two, we're going to be able to do some trips just like that very, very soon. And we're looking forward to it. Um, Richard, I really want to thank you for being on our show today. I look forward to continuing the dialogue with you. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners around being an adaptive executive around uh, leading in a, an adaptive team? Of course, if, if I may just go really far back, if I wasn't true to my 18-year-old self when I doubled down on Spanish being my second language, I wouldn't be here today. You have to make sure that you're fine with yourself, your balance and your structure, so then you can expand on others. And so be able to look in the mirror and know that you've gone all the way, know that you've done your due diligence and that you have your responsibility because other people are depending on you. And also with your clients, there shouldn't be any surprises. Good, bad, or mm. ugly, you should let them know what's going on and make suggestions because some of the best relationships are made when you get through something tough together. And so an executive is someone that calls balls and strikes, dresses for the job, shows the respect. And if you're capable of being that sort of leader to yourself where in my mind, I'm feeding families here. It's not about how much money I make. My goal mm -hmm. is to feed mm -hmm. at least 150 families a month, which I do. And so money comes second. And if you think about the way that you were raised by your parents and grandparents and those values that were instilled in you, 
people will respect you as a leader, come back to your organization and put wind in your sails. And so, Greg, I can't thank you enough. I really enjoyed my time today to share these ideas. Your work's incredible. As I told you, your, your podcast not only caught my attention, but it inspired me enough to write you. And you are a pro. You wrote back. We set this thing up today. And I can't wait to continue watching what you do and assisting so many others. So thank you very much once again for allowing me to participate on your show today. Absolutely. Uh, Richard, thank you. Everyone, uh, listeners, Richard Blank, CEO, Costa Rica Call Center. Check them out. Give them a call. Go down to Costa Rica. Have a good time. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see you soon. Thank you all. Thank you for joining us on the Adaptive Executive Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can follow us on LinkedIn and by subscribing to our mailing list. Again, my name is Greg Ballard and thank you for listening.